Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. How about it? Happy Halloween out there. Hope everybody has a party to go to. Hope you go trick-or-treat and get all the candy you want. Enjoy the festivities. But Tuesday, October 31st, Halloween, 2023, and it's time for the Gabe Coon Show. I am Gabe Coon, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman on X at GM score Coon 71, alongside the producer for today, Connor Dunning out. Brad Carson in. So glad to be here again. On X at Brad Carson. How are you, buddy? I am hanging in there, brother. I am. Show's uh, going well. We're good. To, glad yeah, you're uh, doing so well. I'm, here. I'm going as uh, I have a uh, party to attend yeah. tonight. Can I ask, what are you going as? Um, I got talked into a Harry Potter costume. Connor and I talked. Connor and I have talked about this. Uh, the wife is going as Harry Potter. I'm going as Hagrid, and I think it kind of fits. Jake Big went, burly man with a beard. My son, you know, when you're a kid, you go, as a little kid, you dress up. And then as a big kid, you start falling out of love with it. But then you come back to it, oddly, in the college years. Did you do the same thing? Of course. You, you come back to it. So this is, uh, I have a picture. I'll show it to you in the studio. They, him and his buddies went as the the people from the uh, Sesame Street. Oh, Okay. Because you can dress up. Did they get that at uh, the Halloween store, Party City? Yeah, what's the one around the corner, the spooky store? Yeah, it's the, they, you know? oh, gosh. He said that the costumes yeah. are about 20 bucks cheaper than you find them on Amazon. Yeah, I stopped by there to pick up a couple of things, essentials, for my Hagrid costume. What is that and, store uh, called? They, they, every t- Spirit every, Halloween. Yeah, Spirit Halloween. Yeah. And, and I do love how they have on the front of, because it's only around right. Halloween. It's a once-a-year thing. It's a timely store. Um. But I do get a kick out of the fact that they're it's like, whole store 50% off on November 1st. <laughs> no one's going to take advantage of that percentage. No you one's should, taking though. advantage that, that's of a good 50% idea. off. Yeah, I mean, you should. You don't it's think like, about costumes until the, come on. It's like, very that's true. not a year-round thing you're thinking of, of what you're going to be next Halloween. No, but that's why you should take advantage of those Especially for grown off. folks. You're not, like, you know, I, mean, I saw, I saw, I went in today just to get my last little essential. Oh, you got the some more essential. Well, you there, really went heavy. The, the amount of people... In there, the line I had to wait in the day of tells me that people are are serial procrastinators when it comes to finding really? a costume for Halloween. Yeah. yeah, grown folks don't think about it that way. It's full today, huh? Yeah, yeah it was, was jam packed. <laughs> okay, probably their best day ever. Wow, that's probably, great spirit. Probably, yes, great, great spirit okay. of Halloween. Yeah, well, you got your costume. I'm happy yes. for you, Gabe. Yeah, so you, you're 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 hanging out. Yeah, you're I'm just uh, giving out candy. Stacy and I are gonna sing at the house, and we're gonna welcome the trick or treaters. We got yes. full, we got. I, see, one of us has to hold the dog. The other person has to go to the door. One holds the dog. Other person goes to the door. 
That's how that works at our house. And then Jake's going on his own. Princess I guess, Peach aggressive to the trick uh, or treat? Princess can't. Well, that's the only time she barks. She's not an aggressive dog. If you screw around at the front of our house, she does get aggressive. Now, Jake, on the other hand, is going with his buddies, and they are oddly going trick-or-treating in East Memphis as high schoolers. Which, And if you do see them and they're dressed up, treat the high schoolers who are dressed up nicely. It's the ones who just wear like a random T-shirt you got to watch, you know, like that don't dress up. Do you not give out candy for that? Stacy and I have questioned it at times because you'll have oh, like, hey, look, I'm the crazy teenager. Crazy teenager. It's like, that hey, way. yo, J- Joey, could you put some co- uh, costume? I mean, the this? only way I'm not giving out candy is if like a 45 year old man comes up in no costume. You know what I mean? I'm giving out. I'm giving. <laughs> I'll like, give I, him I, a beer. I, I don't. I, I don't <laughs> want the candy in my house. Quite frankly. Yeah, I don't need it in mine either. I've been yeah. p- picking away at that thing. Yeah, like I don't need it Ugh. in my house, so I'll give away just about. I'll give it away. Do you go full candy bar or you go uh, no. snack size? No, I go snack size. Oh. I'm not done. Don't go to Coon's house. <laughs> yeah, good God. You go full candy oh, bar. Oh, we go full bar, look bro. At, we're going heavy. You. Yeah, we're packing. Come yeah. to our house. People people probably take a couple of stops. Yeah. yeah. Circle through. We welcome you. They wear a second disguise like Connor Stallions <laughs> on the sideline for uh, – <laughs> You think Michigan. Yeah. At, at Central Michigan, which we'll talk about today. Wouldn't it be funny if they dress up as Connor no, no, Stallions and put talking, a Central Michigan I was Michigan talking piece? about this I, with Connor uh, earlier this week. Yeah. I, I bet there will be some Connor Stallions costumes <laughs> yeah. out there. I guarantee you we come in here tomorrow yeah. to the studio, and there will be pictures out there on whatever, you know, Barstool Sports and all these different places. There will be a Connor Stallions <laughs> costume out there. People will take advantage of, of that. Michigan, Michigan State fans, Ohio State fans. Yeah. Someone's going to make fun of the situation. I could have wore khakis and a Michigan shirt and, and go over to Giannato's house as a Michigan fan and get some trick-or-treating done, you know? Yeah. Now, we do have three hours of talk on the way courtesy of 92.9 FM, ESPN, and yours truly. And, uh, yes, Connor Stallions and the Michigan update, that will that will come here at the bottom of the first hour as it looks like he has been, uh, looks like. Mm. They're, they're investigating right now. He has been caught on the sideline at Central Michigan uh, at Michigan State when they played Central Michigan, and he was in Central Michigan gear. Now we do we we need to figure out if it was him. We're not fully positive, but the sign stealer for Michigan, the low level analyst hired by Jim Harbaugh, he is being accused of. The rumor out there is that he was on the sideline watching Michigan State in Central Michigan garb, and also the funniest part of the picture, and I'll I'll bring this up a little bit later when we get to it. Funniest part, it was a 7 o'clock kick, and he had sunglasses on. (laughs) So he he did not want anyone to know his identity. um, Looking rather suspicious. Looking rather (laughs) suspicious. But on top of that, we do have the college football playoff rankings release at 6 p.m. I'm of the opinion at this point, I'm sort of curious where everybody else lies. I wonder if Michigan will be up there, number one, number two. I know Heather Dinich of ESPN has said she doesn't think because of strength of schedule. Yes, they're undefeated. Yes, they have beat the hell out of everybody on their schedule. But because of their strength of schedule, will they be in the top four? Mm. She questions if they'll be in the top four. I do as well. Uh, I wonder who will be the number one team because I think Ohio State has two of the best wins of the year, uh, dealing with Notre Dame at Notre Dame and then also – Handling Penn State at home. Yeah. De- decent strength of record, decent strength of schedule. Wonder where Ohio State will be. Uh, and of course, Washington, Washington. some other yeah. teams out there. I mean, beating Oregon at home is a big win as well. Mm-hmm. You just sort of wonder, you know, Georgia and Michigan, having not really played anybody up to this point, do they get the nods at one and two like they have gotten the nods all year in the AP poll? We know the college football playoff rankings a little different, but I will, uh, I will, I will make that case and discuss it. 
a little bit later. Also, Lane Kiffin, just beautiful. It's Texas A&M week yeah. for Ole Miss. And it's a big, it's a big stretch of football that this uh, Ole Miss team has to play. They're 7-1. and one. They've looked good. They have that marquee win over LSU, but they have a stretch here where they're going to have to deal with A&M. A&M is first in line. And as per every year, Lane Kiffin threw out his yearly shade. It's good. Jimbo Fisher, it is beautiful. There's some sound we'll play, and then I'll explain. I'll, I'll have a Lane Kiffin. I'll be the Lane Kiffin translator. That's what I'll do. Oh, I will be the Lane Kiffin translator perfect. for everyone out there. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, also on the show, we have NFL trade deadline, the special. We have a special. Trip around the NFL will be the NFL trade deadline special. Oh. There's a lot going on. Chase Young is now a 49er. Uh, the the Commanders have get, gotten rid of Packers both. in the fold here recently. Yeah, the Commanders have gotten rid of all their defensive ends. Looks yep. like they're about to tank. I wonder if Ron Rivera is going to be around for much longer. There's been you know smaller moves. Donovan Peoples-Jones, mm-hmm. really tall wide receiver for the Browns, now is a lion. But there's a lot of moves that I'll have to sort through once we get to 5:30 in the trip around the NFL. Of course, small talk at 5:50. Top five Halloween movies. Connor was looking forward to this. He has sent me a list. I'll okay. give you my okay. list. He'll send in the list. I don't even know if we'll have, you know, Brad, it was short notice. He may have a list. He may not. I'm not going to force it upon him. I'll give it a go. I'm, you He'll know me. I'm an impromptu guy. Rock on. And then uh, the Blitz will be at 630. And then the Blitz, you know, Dabo Sweeney. Mm. He, uh, he had a run-in with a caller by the name of Tyler yesterday. Um, and Brad is going to do a, uh, the best job he can of giving a Dabo impression yes. and reading out and sort of paraphrasing what was said by Dabo to the caller, Tyler. Tyler questioned, why are you making $11 million for 4-4 this year? And Dabo sounded off, to say the least, and said, uh, quote, he was part of the problem. Tyler was part of the problem. I'll give you my thoughts once we get to uh, the Blitz at 6, 6.30. As far as guests, normal Tuesday. As is customary on a Tuesday, we have Jeff Calkins, Jeff Calkins show at five o'clock, and then at six o'clock, Christian Fowler hey. from Bluff City Media and the On the Bluff podcast, which releases every single t- uh, Tuesday okay. at noon. Okay, um, that's me and Christian. You have an updated one today. Yeah, then. me and me and Christian mm-hmm. on the Bluff talks some Tigers football, Tiger on the basketball, couch. NFL whole thing. Um, but YouTube is where you can find the full length video version, then Spotify. And Apple as well. Now, uh, first things first here today. The Grizzlies are now 0-4. Not good. Does not look great. And I will venture to say, of all the losses so far this year, last night to me was the most discouraging. And there's a couple of reasons that is the case. One, The two guys that need to show up offensively for the Grizzlies to have any level of success through the first 25 games of the year are Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain. They showed up offensively, and they still lost 125-110. to They combined for 60 points on 22 for 37 from the field, up over 50%. If you add Marcus Smart into there, who's probably their third best offensive player on the team right now, he did well as well. They would combine if you go Jaron... Dez and Marcus Smart, 83 points, 57% from the field. The problem you have, though, is your margin for error is so thin that even if those guys show up, the rest of the guys have to do something to pull the weight. And you don't have a lot of role players that are really able to do that. You have some young guys in Zaire and Roddy and LaRavia who are just not showing up night to night. But the rest of the Grizzlies 
27 points, 28% from the field. That margin for error is thin, but those guys, somebody, somebody has to show at least a little bit of something outside of Jaron, Dez, and Marcus Smart for them to pull through and get wins like that. So there's that. That's why, that's one reason this is very discouraging. The other reason, the Mavs didn't have Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving had a foot sprain. He was out. Their second-best offensive player outside of Luka Doncic did not play last night. And the Grizzlies still lost 125-110. to Now, was Luka phenomenal? Yes, Luka was absolutely phenomenal. 35-12-12, another triple-double. I mean, his first three games of the year, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a, a, a player in the NBA who's had a better first three games. He wants to go win an MVP. I think it's inevitable at some point in his career he'll win one, but he's making that case. But no Kyrie. Your best players showed up offensively, and you still lost by 15. And you sit it on four. And I, there's reasons, obviously, offensively, outside of the big three, guys didn't show up. But then there was horrible perimeter defense last night. I don't, have to, I don't, I don't really want to you know, harp on it too much. I don't think it'll be that bad every single night. But you saw Taylor Jenkins after the game. He was frustrated. He was not happy. And he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. This was the first game where you, you sort of visibly saw his angst and his frustration. Mavs were 23 for 47 from three. And you could say that, you could say, oh, well, the Mavs shot well. The Mavs just, you know, great night at the office. They were phenomenal last night. There was that mixed with the fact that 35 of the 47 threes they took were either considered wide open or open. <laughs> you just have to be better than that. And then there's these guys, like, here's, here's the truth of it. You know, David Roddy, Zaire, I think, have been solid through four games. Not good, inconsistent still, want to see things from them, but they've been solid. That other guy, you took it 19 last year, Jake LaRavia, I don't know how to view him for this team as anything other than a net negative. Like, uh, we, I talked about it before the season started. You had Luke Kennard out. You have Santi Aldama out. Players getting a shot with some guys out is fun. In theory. <laughs> In theory. Until you get discouraged about if that player will ever be good, if they'll ever be good enough to even be a role player. And I don't know if Jake LaRavia has it. I, I'm there at this point. Offensively, net negative, no question about it. Um, got into foul trouble. And also, that first Mavs run, that was sparked by Derrick Jones Jr. because Jake LaRavia couldn't cover the three-point line and got cooked by Derrick Jones Jr., who by no stretch of the imagination is considered a great offensive player. He just finally got into his three-point bag the last couple of years. He needed to build it to stay around the NBA. He did it. I give him credit for it. But he's not known as this offensive player. He had 22 points last night, and a lot of it was Jake LaRavia's doing. And... I'm just telling you, get ready for this. I know that after 25 games, I'm not going to be sky is falling. I just think last night was very discouraging, especially for the first 25 games. But get ready for this because this is going to continue to be a conversation within the fan base by us. And I know that hindsight's 2020, and people get frustrated by, you know, in the moment, it may have seemed nice. Now it doesn't seem as good. But get ready and stay ready for it. The LaRavia pick in the 2022 draft where you offloaded DeAnthony Melton, it's going to be a talking point because you seemingly missed on your highest pick who you thought could be a guy 
and he does not look through two years. I don't even see the, the real promise, the real consistency night to night. And it's a talking point, and I think it's a good talking point for good reason. And if we're being truthful about where the Grizzlies stand right this second, there are two teams with zero wins in the NBA, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Houston Rockets. You don't want to be in that company. You don't want to keep company like that. The Rockets have been cellar dwellers every single year since James Harden left. They just tried to be good enough this year to maybe get – they were a dark horse play-in team. The Grizzlies were considered as maybe a, a top six, top four seed. And you're in that same company with that team right this second. Now, I understand that you, you may have reinforcements on the way. Luke Kennard's going to get healthy at some point. Santi Aldama, they listed him day-to-day. I, I don't know how day-to-day he is. I think he ran five, and, five on fives yesterday. Um, you're also going to get Bismack Biombo after the fifth game, and you're going to get some more screen assists. You're going to have a guy who can uh, – uh, defend the paint. You're going to have a guy um, who can get rebounds. I get that. But there are still things this team needs to get done. And now they're 0-4, and they have three straight games on the road, on the West Coast. Jazz, and then two against the Trailblazers, two nights apart. So That helps. It's just quite, it's quite discouraging right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say the sky's falling, because in the end of the day, you do have to remember after 25 games, you're going to get back a top 15, top 10 player in the National Basketball Association. But I can't sit here and lie and act as if I expected the first four games of this Grizzly season to go this way. Yeah, I didn't think so either. I also think that I don't think we were realistic with how bad they were going to be once we saw Steven Adams drop and then the two other injuries happened last week. It, it, like A lot of this is not their doing. Like, a lot of this is just bad luck with injuries and everything else. But when you start to put into context the decisions they've made in the draft and the trades they've made the last two years and the guys that are not coming through for them when they need them to come through in this first 25, in this first four games, it does does just hit a little harder. It, it, It hurts a little more when you see Zaire. David Roddy, Jake LaRavia not pulling mm-hmm. uh, their in, they're in yeah. as much as they should. Yeah, and I think the, the thing we haven't talked about today, because I sat in with Jason and John today producing their show, was, well, you got to remember we don't have Tyus. And, and the reason why you don't have Tyus, I think, is, is not complicated, but it's, it's worth mentioning, and that is you don't have Tyus because you had to pay Bain and your max player, John Morant, they're getting paid. And Jaron's got a pretty manageable contract, yes, but he's getting paid a lot of money. A fair amount of money. Um, then you had to bring – he brought in Marcus Smart, right? He brought in Marcus Smart, so in, inevitably – so you're trying to work the roster, right? You're not, you're not able to keep Tyus, and so you deal him. You get Marcus Smart in that deal because you're, you're dispersing with Dylan Brooks. And I think we agree that that was the right decision, it, yeah, it appears. Right. We got a better version of Dylan Brooks that's a little more manageable with Marcus Smart, it seems right. like. And he scored 23 points last night. Yes. So that's that's a positive. I just think, like, look, I didn't think they'd win. We Every day we change the update, it's going to be less than nine games that they win in the first 25. I mean, we'll see. I like I think it's trending that direction. If you don't have a it, healthy roster, you can't do it. Now here's here's what it is like if you want to if you want to try to save some positivity somewhere, 
I feel as if the guys on the roster are still bought in and think there's enough talent to, to weather the storm until they get job back. Desmond Bain after the game. Bain's, says, I love his he attitude. He says, guys, it's four games. Yeah. Hell, we could go 78 and four. I'll rule that out now for you. But he says, hell, we can go 78 well, and four. Well, he says we've Marcus had seven Smart, game losing streaks before. Yes. And, and this has been four. And, and, and Marcus Smart said, you know, we have enough talent on this team. I think we'll pull it together. He was a little more outward mm-hmm. last night in his press availability. So if you want to save some positivity that way, go right ahead. But this team at this current juncture is just too hurt and too decimated to win games consistently that's through right. the first 25. That's, that's exactly and right. And you, you just have to you have to accept that. Yep. You just have to accept that. And I hate to be It's full. hard. It's hard. You know, like when you talk negative, negatively, some people can take that the wrong way. But I still think this team can, can salvage mm-hmm. themselves and salvage a good season. But it's just going to be a rough go for this first 25 in this first stretch of basketball. And I think you have to accept that right now before we go any further. Yeah, right now your rotation of minutes outside of the starting five, you don't have Aldama, you don't have Kennard, uh, you don't have Steven Adams. So you're down five players plus Morant. Um, the only other three besides the starters are Conchar. There's another issue there. Conchar's been out with some personal issues that he's been dealing with. All right? It, 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 it's sad when I sit here. And Conchar, John Conchar so far this year, right? Like he's had a two-point game, a five-point game, and a three-point game. It's sad when I have to sit back because Luke Kennard and Santi Aldama are out, your two best bench By the way, you paid him too, by moment. the way. You paid at, Conchar. At, at this current moment, yeah. those are your two best guys on the bench, Santi Aldama and Luke Kennard. It's sad when I look at John Conchar, who has not scored at all, and I, I look at him and I say, this is one of your most productive bench pieces since he's been inserted into the rotation. Yeah. It's sad. But it's, it is where this team is at because of the injuries and because of the just completely decimated roster they're dealing with. That's right. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, they, again, will be back in action. It hurts a lot, tomorrow though, Gabe. I'm not going to lie. It's hard to watch. It is. Tomorrow night, 8 p.m. on the West Coast against the Utah Jazz. We'll see if they can get their first win of the year. Mm-hmm. Just get the first one of the year. Get that <laughs> get that monkey off the back, and then you'll feel, think you'll feel a little bit better going forward, but it's still going to be tough through the first 25. Just accept that. Um, elsewhere in the NBA, James Harden is traded to the Clippers. We've been waiting for this. We didn't know if it was ever going to happen. The Clippers didn't want to give up. Uh, Terrence Mann, they still don't give up Terrence Mann, but the Sixers are acquiring, via the Clippers, Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin, multiple draft picks, and a pick swap for James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Philip Petrusev, who are all headed to the Clippers. Now the Clippers are sending a, the Sixers a 2028 unprotected first-round pick, two second-round picks, and a pick swap, and they're also routing the 76ers an additional future first-round pick from a third team. Now, the Sixers, to bring in all these different guys, had to wave Danny Green. Doesn't really matter. I'm going to start with the Clippers here. I'm going to start with the Clippers. Okay. James Harden is a guy who is on his fourth team in 22 months, and he's asked for three different trades. He's been on the Houston Rockets, the Brooklyn Nets, the Philadelphia 76ers, now the Clippers. I'm sorry. I view that as a problem. I view that as a guy who is just perpetually, in the last 22 months, and probably perpetually throughout the twilight of his career. This is a guy who's unhappy constantly. And I just I have questions about the Clippers taking on that type of risk with only one more year of real contention. Now, when you look at this roster, when you look at the pieces, my God, on paper, you feel okay about it. 
right? Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, uh, Zubats, who I think is a good big. Grizzlies would kill for a guy Got like Tucker him right now. now. P.J. Tucker, who I think is a winner, and I think mm, he helps too. facilitate wins. Bones Highland, who's a good scorer. Terrence Mann, who they didn't want to give up. They mm. kept him. Norman Powell, Mason Plumley, Brandon Boston Jr., Amir Coffee. That is your that is your wow. roster right now. That's who you have. I mean, on paper, that looks great. If healthy. They have gone from the fifth high or from I think uh, somewhere in the top ten to the fifth highest odds to win the NBA Finals. Uh, if you look at FanDuel, it went from plus twenty four hundred to plus thirteen hundred. But when you look at this James Harden deal, this is one more year for the Clippers to make something happen. But I personally don't feel any different about the way this roster is constructed and what I think the end result will be. I think it will be falling short. You're dealing with the Nuggets. You're dealing with the Warriors. You're dealing with the Lakers. You're dealing with the Suns. There's a lot that you have to get through in the Western Conference to go make things happen. And what have we seen every single year from the Clippers? Injury from Kawhi, injury from PG. They have to miss time. They won't get back on the floor in the playoffs. They try to flip that switch a little bit too late in the regular season. It never quite happens. It never comes to fruition. Uh, chemistry issues feel like, you know, with Russell Westbrook and James Harden and, like, all these different guys, it feels relatively inevitable. It just doesn't, it doesn't really work for me. It's always worked with the Clippers theoretically in your mind. You say, oh, my gosh, look at this collection of talent. This should be great. But they always get bit by injuries or something along the way that does not get them all the way through. And James Harden is a one-year rental. He is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Russell Westbrook all have a player option next year that they can very easily opt out of. Clippers have to take advantage right now if they want to save any semblance of this roster, convince these guys to pick up their player option or re-sign with them. This is a short-term move to me. And then, like, if you don't get through this year and these guys move on, they have no picks, the Clippers, to reload with. None. Here's their future first-round picks. This is what they look like. 24, their first-round pick, goes to OKC. 25, they swap with OKC. 26, they give it to OKC. 27, swap with OKC. 28, goes to Philly. 29, swap with Philly. And they've also traded away six second-round picks in the process to put this roster together. Man. Like, I just, I I think it's a short-term move that they feel can get them over the top, but a lot of us view it the same way. The same things that have bit you with the roster you had before James Harden will bite you now that you have James Harden. And now you throw in the fact that James Harden has been perpetually, perpetually dissatisfied with this situation, and you wonder about more chemistry issues. Yeah. So I don't like this for the Clippers, personally. I know what it has said in Vegas and how much their NBA Finals odds, their NBA Championship odds have boosted, again, plus 2,400 to plus 1,300. But I don't quite buy it I just don't I'm I'm with you on this trade um and we're I know we're starting with the Clippers before you get to the 76ers portion yep. of it this is how little I think of James Harden at this point in his career I'm more excited about the addition of PJ Tucker than I am James Harden okay that's I think it's a little eh, I think it's a little much but I get your thought process PJ Tucker other words, it, is it, always yeah. a guy you can count on 
in a playoff situation, knock down his quarter can he three, shoot? go get offensive rebounds, yep. and just grind. And he's a great defender. Great and in the can, playoffs. He, he can defend two through five yeah. most of the time. Like, I get what you mean by that. I, I, I think James I don't Harden, literally mean it, but if, you, you follow the thought yes, process. If I'm trying to find what this could, you know, James Harden could really help with, it's okay. We've run into these issues every single year with Kawhi Leonard or Paul George getting hurt. I think James Harden can fill in and help the production with that starting lineup if one of those guys misses a lot of games or if you have an issue in the playoffs. But does that ultimately get you over the top? If you're planning on someone being hurt and James Harden filling in, <laughs> yeah. is that a good enough a reason to sign. go get James Harden? <laughs> I just don't, I don't, uh, I don't I think, think it is. So, no, not now, with what you're giving up. Now, future. 76ers, I, Here we go. Hey, I enjoy it. I yeah. enjoy it for the 76ers. And I, 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 I usually stay away from, hey, winners, losers. Yeah. Because a trade just happens. We'll see how it ages. Um, but Marcus Morris has not wanted to play in L.A. for some time. Looks like he may get back on the court and want to play mm-hmm. alongside Joel Embiid. Nick Batum always has been a good role player. Robert Covington, really good defender. And by the way, Nick Batum, same way, good defender. Mm-hmm. K.J. Martin, I don't know if he'll really play for the 76ers, but when he was with the Houston Rockets, we saw him put up 30 on the Grizzlies some mm-hmm. nights. Like, he's a guy who has some ability. I don't know if he'll play. But then you also have first-round pick swap uh, with, uh, with uh, L.A., and then you're going to have from OKC, who was the third part of this trade, very small part of this trade, you're going to get a protected 2026 first-round pick. So they get more picks, and they get players, and I think the most important part of this for the 76ers, you get rid of James Harden, and you don't have to deal with that distraction anymore. Hmm. You don't. Tyrese Maxey has shown through the first few games of the season he can pick up at least a fair amount, if not most of the production, that James Harden's leaving behind. You strengthen your bench with all these different guys. You add some picks. I think the 76ers did about as good as they could, uh, given, given the current situation. Um, now, we could do the hindsight thing and say you never should have brought in James Harden, but at the moment it seemed like a, a meaningful move. It seemed like Daryl Morey and him were the only two guys that could get along uh, or, or J- Daryl Morey was the only guy that James Harden could get along with because Daryl Morey gave him so much for a 10-year period, uh, uh, counting the time uh, that he spent in Houston. But we see that that completely dissipated, and at, at which point I think the 76ers, your hands are tied. Let's get rid of him. Let's get whatever we can get back in, in return, and I thought they got a fair amount back. I agree, and I think that Tyrese Maxey is the future of the NBA, and uh, James Harden is the past, and he's also... Uh, a head case. He's deal difficult to deal with. Tyrese Maxey isn't, and Embiid clearly was bothered by it too. So you clear out the problem, and you add some really good pieces. These are, yep. as you pointed out, about all of them. Covington's a good player, you know. I mean, like, I like what I, they have. Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington can play, can, can play roles for you yeah. just about immediately. KJ Martin, maybe not as much, but getting picks in the process mm-hmm. that helps as well. Yeah. So this feels is, good. It's just it's it's. Strange for the Clippers, and I think the 76ers come out of it looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. I still think they're third in the East. Like, it's going to be hard for them to climb up over top the Dame Lillard, mm-hmm. uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo Bucks. It's going to be hard to climb up over top of those Celtics with that starting five, the way it's looking in the early going. But 
Um, I think the 76ers made themselves better by offloading James Harden and bringing in some role. Players. It does suck for the Grizzlies in a sense. You're adding some more power in the West. You know, if you're if you're thinking the Clippers were in the middle of the pack and this brings them to the top four, five. I mean, I I view the Clippers the same way almost. Quite you haven't changed your real out- outlook on them. I mean, I get again, like James Harden can help in the in the event of an injury. I think he can help night to night as well. But you're gonna have four ball dominant guys. <laughs> Yeah, on that offense, in that starting lineup, theoretically, uh, James Harden. It just, I he's he's always going to concern me when it comes to chemistry, and I still don't feel any different about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard having an injury at some point. Oh, there's no doubt about it. They're so, they're injury prone. I mean, they're more talented. Are they more equipped to go win a championship? I don't necessarily think so. Okay, I think that's where I'm at now. Okay. We have some college football to get to, and a lot of college football to get to, including college football playoff rankings released tonight at 6. I'll sort of give you my thoughts on that. And uh, Michigan and Connor Stallions, we have an update. <laughs> <laughs> we have an update, and he may be – I mean, it's good It's good that this is coming out on Halloween because it looks like he was wearing a disguise. <laughs> so we'll talk about that next right here on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's Gabe Kuncho, 92.9 FM ESPN. College football playoff rankings come out for the first time at 6 o'clock tonight. Tonight. Now, in the AP poll right now, if you go check out what's going on, you have Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. That is the top four. I don't know if that's what it's going to look like tonight. But what I do say, when it comes to the college football playoff rankings and the freakout meter every single year, the first week of college football playoff rankings – mean about as much as the coaches pull how much we pay attention to the coaches pull. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Until we get to that second-to-last sort of edition of the season, after the November 18th games are played on that Saturday, before we get to the final game of the regular season, that's when I really will have my outrage and my real discussion. Um, There will be some discrepancies and some reasons to be annoyed, and I'm sure – you know, when we get to chairman time and we ask questions 
uh, about why teams were ranked the way they were. I'm sure we'll have some ridiculous explanations. Um, but the first week in particular, I try to sort of bury my head in the sand and not pay attention to them too much. I'm, I, and I think I'm less worried about the top four. And tell me if this is where you're at, Brad. I'm less worried about the top four and more worried about where they rank all these teams, uh, you know, the ends for a lot of these teams on the yeah. outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, that's – I agree with you because you're looking for when one of these four teams slips, whether it's Florida State, whether it's uh, Michigan slips up, who's going to be in the landing strip zone after those teams, and even after Washington, after the undefeated teams, you know, which is teams like Oregon. I'm interested in seeing where a team like Alabama is, you know, yeah. a one-loss team like Alabama. Well, and Alabama has a chance to run the table. They're going to have to deal with LSU this week, which is a massive, massive yeah. game. Um, but if they handle uh, LSU, looking at the rest of their schedule, dealing with Kentucky, Chattanooga, and then the Iron Bowl. We know the Iron Bowl can get tricky, but I don't like this Auburn team I don't think they have a problem this year. Um, If they get to the SEC championship and deal with Georgia, they still have a chance to get right in there by beating Georgia in the SEC championship. Now, I want to start with Georgia. I think Georgia is going to be the number one team tonight. And the reason I say that is not – if you look at strength of schedule, no. They don't have the highest strength of schedule in uh, in in America right now. Um, but what they did, I think, beating Kentucky on the road fifty-one or at home fifty-one to thirteen, mm-hmm. and having a top twenty-five win, I think, you know, they'll get the benefit of the doubt from the committee. They've won the last two. I know that the committee tries to say let's throw out last year and the year before, but they won't. I think that Georgia will end up at the top because they do have a top twenty-five win, and they're eight zero at this point in the SEC. They'll get that nod. Um, now, where I start to get a little bit wary, confused, is with Michigan, who's number two in the AP poll. I have a hard time, if I'm using the metrics, and again, if you're leaving out the last two years, I have a hard time not having Ohio State over Michigan to this point in the year. And the reason I say that mm. is Michigan. What's their biggest one of the year? Brad, I'll wait. I don't really know. Yeah, UNLV, maybe. I, UNLV <laughs> probably has the best record of the teams might, that they've beaten. Yeah. I mean, um, but swat. that's not – I mean, they, they've beaten East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State. Have yeah. they beat them handily? Sure. And maybe you can take in, you know, how a win looks. Is the eye test enough to get Michigan over top? But when you compare them to a team in their same conference by the name of Ohio State – Ohio State has two top ten wins, one being on the road against mm. Notre Dame, who hammered USC not too long ago, and they have Penn State at home that they beat by eight points. Yeah. When you look at strength of schedule and you talk about strength of win, Ohio State should be favored as far as metrics are concerned over Michigan. Do I ultimately think the college football playoff committee, do I have the confidence that they're going to see it that way? Not necessarily. But I would be surprised if Michigan makes it higher than Ohio State tonight. And I know that sounds weird on the surface because of how good Michigan has looked. But when you go strength of schedule, strength of win, strength of uh, record, it's just not close. The team that I think isn't getting a lot of respect right now is Florida State. I I was going to, I mean, I think Florida State will get in. I think Florida State is going to be three or four. In this rank, I, I could make an argument, and, and I know you're about to make your argument for Florida State in the top four that they could maybe higher based on what you're about to tell me. Probably, um, you beat LSU, who yeah. was the number five team in the country in the preseason, by 
multiple scores by pretty handily 45 to 24 by 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 three scores they were yeah 45 um you went on the road i know clemson's four and four but you went on the road against clemson and i know how close that game was went to ot had a missed field goal you still beat them on the road it's fine and then you handled by three scores number 16 duke i think they will make it in at number three or number four now the question is when you're the committee and you see these undefeateds out there, five in the country, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington. At that four spot, who do you give the nod to? Who do you give the nod to? Yeah. An undefeated Michigan with no real, meaningful, awesome, fantastic wins, no top 25 wins, no nothing of the sort. Or do you give it to Washington? Or do you give it to Washington who has beaten Oregon at home at their place and and has a quarterback who is electrifying college football right now. What do you do as a committee right now in the first college football playoff rankings? Again, Michigan is going to have their opportunity to, down the stretch of this season, deal with Penn State on the road, deal with Ohio State at home. If they win those two games, they will be in the top four. There's no question about it. You'll get to the Big Ten Championship, they will be a college football playoff team. But at the current state, with their lack of signature win – do you lean Michigan or Washington? I think I would lean Washington. I lean Washington personally. I lean Washington because Michigan's still going to have their chance to get in. Yeah, there's not like you don't you don't really have to worry about it right this second. And I don't think there should be a, a crazy outrage if Michigan is outside of the top four tonight. And I think Heather Dennett from ESPN has mentioned this same exact sort of conversation today. And I think she is right on. Yeah. I think she's right on about it. I really do. I think there's some love for Michigan for whatever reason. There is a Big Ten bias. I mean, the, yeah. the, there's Big something. Ten, SEC this bias. whole Pac-12 thing is is clearly not their favorite, and they've been burned by it in the past. I mean, we've seen Oregon be ranked all season long, and then you see what happens at the end. A lot of these Pac-12 teams, but I I like Washington. I th- it sounds like you really like the eye test on Washington too. Uh, well, no, I think uh, the quarterback. If, if I'm going eye test, I think Michigan's the top four team in the country. But when really? you talk about the metrics, which is what the college football playoff committee yeah. says they look at, I don't know how Michigan can get in if their best win is against whoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nebraska. Right. But I mean, who are we? Who are we talking about? Michigan. Like, if if I'm if I'm rationalizing putting Michigan over a Washington team that beat a a team in Oregon at home, if I'm rationalizing that, what win? Can I say that Michigan has that comes close? Minnesota on the road? Yeah. I like mean, what, what am I really hanging my hat on on that schedule of their wins? What's their signature win to this point? They don't have one. They will put – it would actually make it easier on them if they put Washington in because then after the Ohio State-Michigan game, you can flip-flop. The only thing that is going to be the saving grace of Michigan if they do get into the top four tonight – in this particular college football playoff ranking, is the committee saying, hey, they have beaten everybody by three or four scores. They have just decimated every team they've played. No team has come close to them. But how much does that mean when you're playing Bowling Green and ECU and Rutgers and Nebraska and Minnesota and Indiana and Michigan State in their current state? No pun intended. It's just... I, I have a hard time believing, if we're going metric-based with the College Football Playoff Committee, I have a hard time believing Michigan will be a top-four team. And I know that sounds strange now 
They have their chance to get in. They have their chance to be a college football playoff team. I would bet on them being a college football playoff team. But for the sake of discussion tonight around metrics and who should be in, who should be out, I don't think Michigan should be in. After the glut, you got Oregon, Texas, Alabama. Who's the best out of those? Ooh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Texas is dealing with a quarterback issue right now where you have Malik Murphy didn't look uh, near what Quinn Ewers was, um, but they did win a game relatively handily, mm-hmm. 35-6 over BYU. That backup um, Alabama, looks pretty good, though. Alabama is starting to get better as the season goes along. Yeah. Defense, they're there. Kevin Steele's done a good job. Um, and Jalen Milrow has paced relatively well. And then Oregon is that one where it's like, okay, if Washington's in the college football playoff and they lost by three at Washington's place, had a chance to go w- uh, tie the game at the very least, and, and, and missed a field goal, like how, how much do you take that into consideration? I would say based on metric and, and where we're standing right this second, Oregon may be the metric leader. I would probably lean Texas, though, at full strength as the best of the rest at this, at this current juncture. Because you, I mean, they beat Alabama I'm sorry, head you, to head. You, you, wow. And did it on the road by 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, there's, not, yeah. there's not a lot of teams in college football that can do that. Yep. You have to give credit where credit's due for Texas being able to go on the road and uh, in, in getting a 10-point win in Tuscaloosa. And, and that does sort of beg the question for me with Oklahoma having lost to Kansas last mm-hmm. week. How much does Oklahoma's win in the Red River rivalry on the back end of this season, how much is that going to matter? If they, if they run the table, if they do uh, what, what people want them to do, beat Oklahoma State and Bedlam, deal with West Virginia, beat uh, BYU at their place, beat TCU, and they get into the Big 12 championship, how much is that Texas win going to matter to the committee by the time we get there? That's a question that I think will be a running question. But they have to handle business. They yeah. have to win the last four games. You can't, you can't be in this conversation and lose another. That's why that game was so odd. You know, like Oklahoma and the, the Kansas game, that was strange. You know, because you thought coming out of that Texas game, that was a better football team. Now, um, on the Michigan front, we've talked about Michigan a lot with the college football playoffs. Maybe they get in, maybe they don't. I would lean that they don't in this first iteration because they don't have enough wins. They have something going on right now as well that may have some bias leaning away from them in the sign-stealing conversation. Um, And the latest in the sign-stealing conversation is uh, Connor Stallions. There's more allegations out there. Low-level analyst who was hired by Jim Harbaugh seemingly to steal signs of opponents and and get a a good beat on opponents. Um, There are pictures that have surfaced. (laughs) Central Michigan was playing Michigan State, and we know that he commonly would go to Big Ten opponents and watch them and see what they looked like. There is a guy for a 7 o'clock start game with a goatee, relatively skinny face, hat on, sunglasses on at 7 o'clock at night, clearly trying to conceal his identity. There's a guy, there's a picture that has surfaced of that guy on the sidelines in Central Michigan gear. Now, First question, is it him? I don't know. But Central Michigan has come out and said they're investigating the situation. And why I think a lot of people are leaning to the fact that it was indeed Connor Stallions in a Central Michigan hat scouting Michigan State is the fact that if Central Michigan had a coach on the sideline, they could immediately come out and say, this is Coach So-and-so. Instead, they have not said this is coach so-and-so. They have investigated it. So I think that there is a reasonable chance that this is Connor Stallions 
on the sideline watching Michigan State in Central Michigan gear with sunglasses on at night. And this would be an unreasonably funny story to me, considering he's in Central Michigan gear. He clearly went to great lengths to try to conceal his identity. And uh, on the back end, he wouldn't have been able to do that if they find that Connor Stallions is the guy in the pictures that have surfaced. Okay, first question for you on this story, because this is fascinating. On, on Halloween, no less. Yes, yes. Do you Perfect think it timing. is? I've compared these pictures in a forensics uh, experiment in my office. <laughs> is that right? Uh, via X. <laughs> because, you know, you see the Fox Sports 1 cam pan to the sidelines. There's a couple of shots of this. Yeah, there's, there's a couple now. There, there's been more. I think Chris Vanini from yeah. The Athletic just released more. There are more coming out as we're doing this radio show. So I ask you, is it Connor Stallions in your opinion? Um, <laughs> I'll answer that. By saying it would be hard for me to believe that it is not Connor Stallions okay. based on the fuss that is being made and the fact that Central Michigan, if it is a guy on their staff, could have come out and immediately said, hey, this is G.A. so-and-so. We hired him two years ago. Right. We they know who this is immediately. This is Coach X. And so, or somebody on the staff would probably subtweet it quickly and go, yeah, that's Joe from that's, marketing. That's why my antennas are so far up. Is because Central Michigan could have co- completely come out and said, no, this is a false story. It's him. It's ridiculous. It's bananas. This is bananas. The one thing that does save Connor Stallions in this situation is I, I have done my forensic sort of side-by-side okay. as well. Connor Stallions is a bald man. Shaves his head bald. This guy seems to have some pretty pronounced sideburns. Yeah. Also, Connor Stallions does seem to have sort of the mustache, goatee thing going. This goatee is more pronounced than anything I've seen of pictures of, of, of Connor Stallions on the sideline from Michigan. This is a pronounced, dark, Haired goatee that I have not seen on Connor Stallion's face. I've got some Wolverines wired USA Today photos that match up pretty well uh, in terms of the darkness of the the goatee and the sideburns. He went high sideburns, which is unusual for bald men. Usually, bald men don't go like you don't have your sideburns up here past your ears, right? You, you just you're kind of you kind of trim them in if you're doing it cool. Yeah, I think it's him. Okay, I do. I mean, and also who wears. It? <laughs> Who wears sunglasses at night that way? It's bizarre. That's, that's the biggest thing. Like, who actually wears sunglasses at night to go scout Corey Hart? To, to, to coach? No, you don't. You don't. Yeah. It's bizarre. And it's hilarious all at the same time. And where are we heading with this? He's the master disguise, Connor like, Stallions. Where are we? And the name alone. Like, clearly an A. Now, I'll say this. Like, Connor I, Stallions I, on the stage. I am still just where I'm at. Having known how scouting works at times, mm-hmm. um, at various different levels, I have taken the story. I just don't take it as serious as a lot of other people are. Um, but based on the fact that you may have Connor Stallions in disguises, clearly trying to mask who he is <laughs> on the on sideline, side wearing Central Michigan gear, this may go a lot deeper than uh, I even originally thought. Now, do I still think that? Going in game or in person to scout is that? Do I find it to be a big deal? No, I don't. Um, but if we do find out this is Cotter Stallions, it does show the lengths they went to to try to get him out there and scouting in person. And clearly, if he's masking his identity, they knew that it was illegal, and they still decided to go a different direction. So, 
Uh, I, I go that direction and try to try to do the in-game wow. scouting. It's it's something else. It's something else. Now, do we have this Lane Kiffin sound? Do we have oh. a Lane Kiffin sound pulled up? Um, I can. I have it here. Have, okay. Yes, I have okay, it. Here. Okay, we have it now. Uh, Lane Kiffin, who has done a decent job against Jimbo Fisher. It is Texas A&M week for them, um, and Lane Kiffin's going to go have to handle himself. They're seven and one. They have their their premier win, in my opinion, over LSU. But they have to deal with A&M, who has a really good roster. Now, Lane Kiffin, to me, with this podium appearance, takes the cake. This is how you start off Texas A&M week if you are the Ole Miss head coach. Go ahead, Lane. Lane, uh, third straight year in one of the two polls. Programs hit top ten or cracked inside the top ten. Just what does that speak to what you've been able to do, especially with you know setbacks during the season that y'all been able to overcome? Well, I think that's kind of neat uh, I guess three straight years to be in the top 10, but it doesn't matter to me except for what you finish. So it's good that it brings attention to the program and um, to be able to do that, um, especially as you're going against a program that normally you would think would be the team in the top 10 three years in a row with their roster. Um, You know, that says a lot about our players, our coaches, our fans, but what really matters is where do you finish at the end of the year? Um, You know, so... That's our goal, um, you know, to keep getting better, keep winning games. Um, you know, we try to, you know, achieve our goals and not let others achieve their goals. I think um, I read where Jimbo said their goal is to be bowl eligible. So if we can get in the way of that, that would be good um, for us too. <laughs> so get in the way of Jimbo getting to bowl eligibility. That's always fun. Um, but my, my, my part that I want to really poke at here is he said based on their roster, they should be a top 10 team every week. If I'm translating what Lane Kiffin is saying, he's saying I'm terrified of A&M and the players they have. I'm terrified of them. They're really good. They had a number one recruiting class in 2022. They're constantly top 10 to top 15 in recruiting. They bring in some transfer portal guys. But the one thing that is saving me from losing sleep at night is Jimbo Fisher being their head coach. That's the translation. <laughs> That's what he's telling you. These players are good, but Jimbo's their head coach, so I don't feel that bad. I've done a good job against Jimbo. Now, that's not exactly what he said. If he said that, it would be some serious bulletin board material. But if that, if I'm reading this right and that's the real <laughs> translation, he's correct. Jimbo, is he's recruited really well. He's got a lot of talent. But the talent does not equal the end result of what his football teams have been at Texas A&M. And this is my favorite stat. It gets brought up every single week. Now that Jimbo has, has sort of fallen off the, the a cliff at A&M and they just don't look as good. Kevin Sumlin, you know what he was through his first 68 games? 46 and 22. Do you know what Jimbo is? Got to be first 68 similar, games? similar, right? 44, to, 44 and 24. Oh, wow. And Kevin Sumlin is viewed in this lens as a guy who – you know, had good years with Johnny, but once he lost Johnny, falls off the face of the earth, wasn't a good head coach. Jimbo is showing us every single year that he's not as good of a coach as they thought he was when he was taken from Florida State after that national championship. It's pretty simple. And I do get a kick out of Lane saying what he said in that presser because I think it does ring very, very true uh, when you talk about this A&M team, you could be scared of those players all you want, but coaching has clearly fallen short year after year. 
at Texas A&M. Now it's time to bring on Jeff Calkins. We'll go ahead and get to that next right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.